even though last year was the year that we were really concerned about the combination of influenza and uh, COVID, I think we really could be in a difficult situation this coming fall and winter because we will almost certainly see a much different flu season coming up because the mask wearing is not going to be happening. The social distancing is not going to be happening. And very likely there will be ongoing activity for COVID. Welcome to 20 Minute Health Talk. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle, and today our special guest is Dr. David Hirschwerk. He is the interim chair of the Department of Medicine at Northwell Health, and he is an infectious disease attending. This week, New York and California lifted pretty much all of their COVID restrictions. What is this? What is your take on this? And what does this mean going forward? Hey, this is great. I think that compared to where we were, in the past, I think that this is excellent news. Things are opening up more broadly. We have more and more people vaccinated, but I don't think we're quite at the end because uh, I do think that we will be living with COVID um, for the foreseeable future, but hopefully it will be uh, like it is now at a very low rate, very manageable um, with vaccine widely available and hopefully more and more people uh, getting the vaccine. And with that, um, life is returning back to a pre-February of 2020 time. Yeah. We can't make light of, of the, how bad the pandemic was. We lost 600,000 600, Americans have died from COVID, but we did learn a lot of lessons. What are some of the most important lessons you believe uh, that were learned from battling this pandemic? Uh, there were so many lessons, and I think that um, humility in how we approach things uh, was a big lesson. I think uh, really um, the value and importance of our public health um, uh, arms um, are really important. Uh, I think we also learned how well we could, uh, as a health system and um, health systems throughout the country, respond to something like this. But um, they're just our countless lessons. Yeah. And one of the things I think is, is fascinating, you know, is that, um, normally every year we see hundreds of thousands of cases of influenza in this country. And so now that people were wearing masks and social distancing, those numbers went down so much. And I guess that's also a great lesson learned. It is. I think that uh, it was feared that we would have this so-called twin-demic back last fall and winter where we would see a lot of influenza and COVID. Uh, and it turns out that with the combination of vaccine, but also the fact that there was very little travel, very little um, gathering, mask use um, that was widespread, though not adopted by everybody, um, really did significantly diminish the influenza season really dramatically. Yeah. Do you see this changing our habits as human beings going forward? I mean, you know, it's funny during COVID, right? We stopped shaking hands and doing those types of things. And um, so anyway, do you see like some of these things, uh, you know, changing and, and maybe, you know, even though maybe mask mandates are going, so I think now, right, we can ditch the mask in most places, but still the places we want to wear them is mass transit. Uh, hospitals and right now in schools, but maybe it's not a bad idea when this thing is all gone, when you get on a plane for a long flight to wear a mask. Well, it's not a bad idea. And I think it makes sense. And I think that we learned a lot from this uh, pandemic about the value of masks, but I don't get the sense that um, consistent wearing of masks is going to be something that people remain very, op um, very enthusiastic to continue to do. Um, you know, certainly in the healthcare environments, I can envision 
uh, is continuing to press on the use of masks, at least uh, at certain times of the year and in certain locations. Uh, and we've always done that to some extent. When there have been flu outbreaks, we've tried to um, really insist that people who visit certain floors at different uh, rates of influenza activity use masks. Whether or not that's something that's adopted more broadly is something that there currently are lots of conversations about. So what would you say to these people who are like, well, where I live in New York, we're at 70% vaccination rate. Everybody around me is vaccinated. Why should I get vaccinated? Yeah, well, I, I think that we are not at herd immunity and herd immunity would be a point that um, everybody can take off their mask, do whatever they want to do, and that there's really going to be very, very minimal uh, transmission of the virus. So we are at 70% of people 18 and older having gotten their first dose of vaccine. So the 70% is terrific, but we're not quite at 70% of the entire population. So we are not close to herd immunity at this point, but we're at a good number. And um, what, I, what I would say is that the circulating strains of virus, unfortunately, will eventually find people who are not vaccinated. And I think as we continue to have strains of the virus that are more virulent, that are more contagious for those people who are not vaccinated, um, it eventually will very likely catch up, uh, especially as everything else seems to open and people are not going to be wearing masks any longer. Sure, sure. Um, when we talk about the flu and how flu uh, cases dropped off almost completely, in 2019 to 2020, there was an estimated 38 million people who got the flu and also tens of thousands of people died. So tell me the numbers, this pandemic. Yeah, I, it was a fraction of that. And I would say that um, during the flu season on a weekly basis during our medicine grand rounds, I would often show a chart that looked at the influenza activity because I wanted people to be aware that um, while we were not yet having influenza activity, it was something that we were watching closely and that things could change and that um, I wanted to at least keep our faculty updated about uh, the influenza activity, but it never changed and uh, it never changed anywhere. And usually there are some hotspots throughout the country that might have influenza activity and then it may eventually move through, but it never happened. We thought, well, maybe we'll have a late influenza season, but it really just never arrived. And again, I think it's a combination of the use of masks, of um, more social distancing, of course, than happened previously from also the fact that um, schools were very different and schools were not in session to the same extent. And influenza often is picked up by children, can be in schools, bring it home to their household. So that was cut off. And uh, also really just a significant reduction in travel. Yeah. There's been so much discussion about trust in, in this big group of people, the anti-vaxxers. Do you think this helps when we look at the flu numbers and, ha and what this did to the flu, that more people will go out and get the regular flu vaccine? And, and how helpful would that be going forward? I hope so. I think that for the most part, when um, we press really hard to try to get people vaccinated and to try to have people see the value of the flu vaccines, um, you know, I think sometimes our messaging might be the coming from a, a slightly uh, incorrect uh, direction. So, for example, the influenza vaccine for many people does not guarantee that they're not going to get influenza. But what it does do is it uh, helps to significantly reduce the likelihood of getting it. And if somebody gets the flu, they're not going to get it 
uh, as bad, so they won't miss as many days of school or work. Uh, they won't be uh, in bed for you know more than a day or so. Whereas if you have not been vaccinated, you really could be out on your back for a week or so. Um, and it also helps to reduce the risk of transmission to others. I think people have had experiences where they've gotten the flu vaccine, they get the flu, and then they feel like, well, why did I bother getting the flu vaccine? So I think maybe we need to adjust our messaging a little bit, but I am hopeful that people will um, can continue to get vaccinated, number one, try to get vaccinated at higher levels. And when we experience these uh, surges of influenza, that we will think a little bit more about some of the values of other things like mask wearing uh, to help to really mitigate our influenza situation. Because this coming season, <laughs> even though last year was the year that we were really concerned about the combination of influenza and uh, COVID, I think we really could be in a difficult situation this coming fall and winter because we will almost certainly see a much different flu season coming up because the mask wearing is not going to be happening. The social distancing is not going to be happening. The restrictions on travel, all of, the, of those things, which I mentioned that contribute to a flu season, they are all going to be eliminated this coming year. And uh, so I, and I can envision a very difficult influenza season and very likely there will be ongoing activity for COVID. So, um, you know, this could be a, a difficult year. Now that we can stay home and we prove that we can work from home, maybe when we're not feeling well, the boss says, hey, spend a few days working from home. Don't come into the office and spread it out. Yeah, and I would hope that that would happen, that people who are um, are sick are not returning to the workplace. But really what I'm hopeful for is that people will get vaccinated uh, because the vaccines for flu and for COVID are overwhelmingly safe and they're overwhelmingly effective. The COVID vaccines are actually more effective than the influenza vaccines, but they're both very effective. Yeah. We talked about this massive drop-off in the flu. What other viruses, what other illnesses also saw those same types of same things because of the social distancing, the working from home, the wearing the mask, the constant sanitizing, all this stuff. So there are a bunch of different viruses that can spread either by droplets or by uh, contact on surfaces. So I'll give you a couple of examples. The common cold, which is caused by a rhinovirus, enterovirus. Um, there's also the coronavirus, not the coronavirus that we uh, have in our minds for the last year plus, uh, but the standard, if you will, coronavirus. And that's another cause of the common cold respiratory syncytial virus, which is RSV that predominantly affects children in the fall and the winter, uh, including infants, but also can have an impact on older adults and even um, just adults in general and cause a cold or bronchitis, uh, human metanumovirus. And, and, and there are several more, but there has been a significant reduction in all of those respiratory viruses um, over the last uh uh, several months, but we are starting to see an uptick uh, in that. And so there was a report that the CDC put out just this past week talking about uh, RSV, the respiratory syncytial virus. And they're starting to see significant activity of this virus in the southern part of the U.S., um, but it's there now, but it'll very likely uh, be um, prominent in our region as well in the coming weeks and months. Yeah. One of the things um, that we just mentioned, the the common cold, right? So like, you know, parents were relieved that their kids weren't coming home sick or they weren't, you know, being sick. And, and, but 
there used to be the saying that like when you send your kid to preschool, it's kind of good because it's like a breeding ground for germs and your kids get exposed and they build up an immunity. Is there a negative side effect for kids not getting sick this past year? Yeah, you know, I think that there has been a lot of research on that and there's always a lot of discussion on that. It, you know, it, it makes sense that our immune system gets primed and gets prepared um, for subsequent infections. I, I do think that there's some truth to that, but for something like influenza, um, and influenza can be very severe. And influenza uh, sadly kills uh, many children in the U.S. each year. And then uh, children who have influenza can transmit it to more vulnerable adults and grandparents. And that really is where the most significant risk is. And in fact, if you look back to the 2019 and 2020 influenza season, we were having a tough season with influenza. Our hospitals were filled with people that had influenza. Uh, but once the uh, uh, March came around, we started to see a significant decline. And then of course we saw this explosion of COVID. Uh, but the decline was very likely related to the fact that people were starting to um, not gather as much. There was a lot more social distancing, mask wearing in some situations, at least in March, eventually, of course, that took on uh, greater emphasis. Um, but yeah, I think that we very well could be in a situation in 2021, 22, where we have numbers for influenza that are pretty close to where we were in 2019 and 20. What would your advice be to parents who maybe have a kid who gets sick, they're not feeling well, they go get that kid tested and they're so relieved it's not COVID and they have plans to see grandma and grandpa that weekend and they're like, don't worry about it. Doctor says it's just a common cold. Should they not go and visit grandma and grandpa with that common cold? Well, we've never done that before. And I think that it's hard to imagine that we want to get into a situation where we're keeping people away just for the common cold. I mean, the difference is that influenza can make people uh, really very sick, especially older individuals and the same with COVID, of course. So I think if you knew that somebody had influenza or COVID, you would want to keep them away. Um, but for other viruses that can cause a common cold, I, I think that there are still things that we can do. It doesn't mean people have to stay away, but it's probably reasonable to um, uh, to wash hands more frequently, to have everybody know that somebody might be uh, sick, especially if the older individuals uh, have underlying medical conditions. Um, so, and, and, you know, look, you may not uh, give somebody the same hug, hello, and goodbye as you would if um, they weren't sick. But I think that those are kinds of things that we were doing even before the pandemic. And, you know, these viruses that cause the common cold, they're annoying, but in, uh, for the most part, unlike influenza and unlike COVID, they're not going to cause significant illness and illness that can land people in the hospital. Yeah. I think sometimes in, in, in this country, people have a short memory span and people don't remember that a hundred years ago, the, the average life expectancy was really short. And I, there's been studies that how the life expectancy has doubled over the last hundred years because of two main reasons. One, clean drinking water, and two, vaccines. Is that correct in your opinion? Yeah, well, both related to infectious diseases. Uh, and and so, yes, and I think that the the impact of vaccinations and um, has really you know, made an extraordinary difference. And, and the recognition of how germs uh, can be harmful. I mean, just something like uh, childbirth and the importance of hand washing um, how that really had a tremendous impact on reducing, um, mortality among, among moms uh, who were delivering. Yeah. So I'd like to ask you this question since you're an infectious, infectious disease expert. So 
now that the mandate, the mask mandate is pretty much gone away, what will you do differently going forward or when will you wear your mask? Well, I think that we are in a good situation right now because not only in the New York area um, have we had a significant portion of our population be vaccinated, but we have also within that population have had um, our seniors had an opportunity to be vaccinated. Um, we've really had enough time for anybody who wants a vaccine, who is at least an adult at this point, to be vaccinated. And with that, we have very low rates of spread in our community. So right now in New York, we have about two cases per 100,000 individuals per day. And that is actually at a very low manageable rate. So uh, for all of those reasons, I do think it makes sense. Um, and I think it's reasonable that we have opened things up more broadly. Now, uh, there are still some concerns, and the concerns are the following, is that um, the virus that is circulating right now is not the same COVID virus that was circulating a year ago. We have um, more uh, strains um, that are more contagious and are more virulent. So in many ways, this is a significantly dangerous time for people who have not yet been vaccinated. Um, in terms of what I will do differently, at this point, I'm doing quite a lot differently compared to what I have in the past. Um, I've gone to a uh, Knicks game. I've gone to a uh, Islanders game. But at least in those settings, I knew that people were vaccinated. Um, I have even gone to uh, indoor uh, dining at uh, restaurants a couple of times. I will bring my mask with me all the time, and it's always in my pocket. And if I find myself in a more crowded area um, indoors, I will wear a mask. And uh, sometimes I wear it because we are in an indoor crowded space and that is the most vulnerable area for the virus to spread. Uh, but I also want to give support to anybody else who really um, may not have had a response to the vaccine because of an underlying medical condition and have them feel like, well, they're in that space with me and I'm wearing a mask so they could feel a little bit more reassured. Okay, great. Well, we're almost uh, at the end of our time here on 20 Minute Health Talk. So we always like to end mm -hmm. on a positive note. So I just like to ask you, what gives you hope? What gives you optimism going forward? I am optimistic by the uh, current situation in our area. Um, and, and, and I am optimistic, but I will say that there are parts of the country that concern me a little bit uh, because their vaccine uptake is not uh, nearly to the extent that we are in the New York area and over in New England and other parts of the country. And I think that those areas, particularly with uh, circulating strains that are um, more contagious, that those areas remain vulnerable. But I think for our area, we um, have vaccinated a good number of people. Hopefully, that number does not remain stagnant and will continue to, to push the rates upwards over the next few months. Children will be able to be vaccinated in larger numbers uh, from now into the fall as the age uh, cutoff starts to get lower and lower. And, you know, I, st I, I have uh, two college-age children. I am optimistic that their experience this coming fall in college is going to be very, very different than it was in the past year. Um, you know, people are traveling in numbers to the same extent as they were pre-pandemic. So I think the world is uh, returning, at least the world as we know it here in the U.S. Certainly that's not the case in other parts of the world, but um, 
you know, things are returning back to normal, but COVID will remain with us. And I'm optimistic that so long as we get enough people vaccinated and we continue it to keep a close eye out for, at what the numbers are, uh, that life can remain to close to, uh, to what it was pre-pandemic. Well, Dr. Hirschberg, uh, thank you very much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for you, the listener, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Rob Hoyle. Have a great day. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.